Well, welcome to the Kingdom Life Podcast, where we talk about life with God in His kingdom. I'm Connie Willems, and today we'll be talking with Rock and Bev Bottomley. Rock was pastor here for many years, and he's now what we call a pastor emeritus. He and his wife, Bev, recently returned from doing ministry with lots of people in Egypt, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So welcome, Rock. Welcome, Bev. Good to be with you, Connie. (laughs) Yeah, it's great to have you here. (laughs) So before we talk about Egypt, I just want to hear, tell me what I might find either one of you doing on a typical day here in Oklahoma? Oh, exercising. (laughs) Uh, Enjoying grandchildren, picking up grandchildren at school. Yeah. Um, And the latest for me is I've been going over to UCO and uh, meeting students, handing out cookies. And uh, it's a ministry called Ask Mom. You give a cookie, you give a hug, and... You're just available to um, just love these students. I love that. Is anybody else going with you? Uh, not from the church, but yeah. I'm with a team of women. Oh, that's and, wonderful. And it's a ministry that goes to UCO. Huh. So that's my that's my new adventure. You get to be a college mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For, let's see. For me, it's... Uh, Oh, it's a great season. As Bev mentioned, we've got uh, 13 grandkids and four kids all here in town. And so a big chunk of my time is with them. But then also uh, at this stage of my life, I'm coaching other pastors. So I've got 10 other pastors in the city that I meet with regularly. So that's that's the other chunk of my time is uh, doing that. So helping them do personal life and home life and church life and try to keep me healthy and alive <laughs> and well. So that's my other part of my life. That's great. So against the backdrop of all of this, people may not realize, but what we're going to talk about today, you all regularly get to go to the Middle East and specifically Egypt and do ministry there. And it's associated with Focus on the Family Rock. You used to mm-hmm. work there. And I know I've been hearing you for years say, you're either going to Egypt or coming back from Egypt, and mm-hmm. you're doing um, many things there. And you got to spend a chunk of time there this summer. So, Bev, could you tell us what you were doing during those five or six weeks in Egypt and a bit of time in Lebanon? We were um, traveling to, based in Cairo, we would travel to different parts of, of Egypt, either um, meeting with past students that we had um, had in our courses, or we were with different groups giving marriage training, and yes. Yeah, and Rock, I think you guys said you met with a whole bunch of groups during that yeah, time, right? we had nine different groups from Catholic churches and Coptic churches, evangelical churches. They were pre-married. Some of them were engaged couples. We were doing marriage prep, and then some of them were married couples. We were doing marriage training for them. So, And then we're in three different cities, Cairo mainly, but then two other smaller cities uh, up the Nile River. So that's what we did. So that was our six weeks. And just out of curiosity, when you're going up the Nile River to these other places, are you traveling on interstates to get there? What's the travel like? Yes. We're we're in a car (laughs) going... um, going to the different cities. Oh, actually, though, we did fly to mm-hmm. Asut. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So, yeah. It, we, so there was yeah. one city that was um, yeah. that was far enough away to fly. Yeah. A considerable distance. And e- mm-hmm. Egypt's a fascinating country. It's just basically it's about uh, it just follows the Nile River uh, hundreds of miles into Africa, but the actual workable part of the land is maybe just uh, five or ten miles wide. So it's it's a, this narrow swath of green going through the Sahara it, it's Desert. It's really mm. fascinating to see from the air. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it really you is. just see that one stripe of green probably. And so when you're traveling on the road, you're probably on a road that's just going straight. That's it. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. one, mm-hmm. one road follows the river yeah. and it's a four-lane highway. And there goes. really is just sand everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Just a whole different world. So what was it like for you? As you you mentioned, you were doing training, and you had Coptic Christians and Catholic tr- Christians and evangelical Christians together. What was that like to do that mm-hmm. training with those groups together? It, it, was, it was all very similar, which is um, the, the couples were, were there to receive marriage training. And mm. so... That was our our bond, but even more than that, Jesus was our 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 common focus and affection. Mm. And so, even though uh, there were um, areas of Christianity that we differed, th- those were very um, in the back background. Um, Jesus was was really the the focus, and and that allowed us to to really experience great yeah connection oneness mm. yeah. yeah so yeah, you felt all, it when you were there yep and they all i mean as bev said we really didn't feel much spiritual difference as we moved between the groups uh common to all of them there was a a passionate love for jesus and they would express that through a very affectionate worship style mm-hmm. Uh, it's a wonderful thing to go because you see they've written their own worship songs. They, the style was Arabic, but it was also very expressive, contemporary, like we'd have. But uh, passionate worship, a real deep respect for the scriptures, mm-hmm. uh, a devout faith. Uh, probably this group had a more supernatural worldview even than we do in the West. Mm-hmm. So there was a. They had a very keen awareness of the invisible world. And, How did uh, that show up? That awareness. I, you know, I think that practically, um, several ways. Uh, they prayer is a much more bigger part mm-hmm. of their life in the church. Uh, in in all three streams that we were involved in, uh, prayer meetings, personal prayer, corporate prayer. They just naturally. That was where they'd turn when they had mm. needs. So they had this sense that there's some God is in the box with us, and uh, so that's that's one way. Uh, if they got sick, uh, they would receive prayer for healing very naturally and easily with some significant expectancy. And uh, and even as we talked about the ministry of the Spirit and God speaking and the Lord speaking to them personally or through us to them, that did not seem strange to them. So mm-hmm. they, they had a, a very, mm-hmm. uh, the, the invisible world was very close, very tangible, very real for them. 
So, and that was true of all three of the streams. And then they, they loved, all three of them loved Jesus. And as long as we kept the focus on him, yeah. we were right at home. They were right at home with us. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that one of the locations you were in was this small um, town. Is it Sama? Samalut. Samalut. There we go. Um, and you described how the church that you were at mm-hmm. there has this very recent and sobering history. Tell us about what had happened with the people there. Just that um, there were, what, how many How many men? 21 young 21 men. young men who were working in Liberia. In uh, Libya. Oh, Libya. And, and how long ago was this? Seven, seven years ago. Okay. They were working to support their families. They'd send the money back. And um, they were killed. They were beheaded by radical extremists. And it was it was it was around the world. You, you probably remember these men in orange suits, with their their beheaders standing behind yeah. them, um, and and so they came out of this community, and focus on the family were um, were a part of helping the the families of these men rebuild homes, uh, just just uh, minister to these. Uh, widows in particular um, after this happened. So uh, it, it was still very fresh. The, the Egypt built a church in memory mm. of these men, and we went to visit, and it was quite sobering and very, very precious to, mm-hmm. to think that these young men were willing to um, give their life uh, in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was... Yeah, and you do see in this part of the world, your religion really defines your life mm-hmm. there. Uh, you're actually born into a religion. Your your family is Islamic or it's Christian. Mm-hmm. And, of course, in Israel, it's Jewish. So in this, um, And although that has some disadvantages because you can at times lose the fact you need to make a personal commitment, um, I think there's something about uh, faith there that really defines your lifestyle and who you are. And so, as we mentioned, uh, many of the Christians have a crusader cross tattooed on the inside of their wrist. It's their way of saying, this is who we are. And uh, we we never want to deny that. And if a, a tattoo is... That's permanent, and inside of your wrist right. is about I as mean, obvious as it gets. Yeah. Right, so you yeah. can't hide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they, you know, the believers know that they are a persecuted minority. So when you put that tattoo, it's not just, you know, like we have a cross hanging around our neck, and it's kind yeah. of a symbol mm-hmm. of, of I'm a really nice person and very respectable. There, it's a sign of commitment and a willingness to pay whatever cost is required. And, and of course, these twenty-one men. Yeah. Um, uh, paid with their lives. So it was, it, it, I mean, this is a place where uh, following Jesus, uh, being devoted to him is very costly. And you see the people very willingly doing that. Yeah. So it was a privilege to minister to them because in, in many ways their faith goes beyond nominal and beyond something that's kind of popular or easy uh, to something that's costly. And mm-hmm. So it was a privilege to be with them. How did that affect the two of you to be spending time with believers who have this Jesus focus and a tattoo on their wrist, mm-hmm. and it's the real thing? 
because it has significant meaning. What's it like for you to be immersed in that? And then how does that shift you? Mm. Well, it made it makes me want to get back on the plane and go back. <laughs> really, yeah. really. Um, but it 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 just uh, again it it gave me a, a greater sense of the value of what we're doing by teaching marriage because um, because uh, marriage is marriage training is a felt need among these believers. Uh, again, th- there is a, a level of devotion and commitment to Jesus and a knowledge of the Word, but but as you as you get deep into their lives, uh, what you find is that that the culture has more influence in many of their homes on the way they treat one another and how they function in their families and in their marriage, and so we. Um, w- w- what we love to do is to um, challenge them, and there's a lot of hands-on um, challenge them to to he- learn about what God thinks about the husband and the wife, how the husband is to treat the wife, how the wife is to treat the husband. So um, we um, it gives. Um, it, it gave me a, a greater sense of why it's important that that Christians know what the Bible te- what God thinks about marriage and 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 family. Yeah, I think for me, it's it's just a wonderful reminder that you know to believe in or to put your faith in biblically. Uh, it's not just believing the facts; it's not mental assent, but it's a f- full devotion. It means to be devoted to, and these people understood that, and you got to see that yeah. in their in their lives. And uh, it was just obviously in, in us. I think it's just a reminder to go all in and remember that God is to be the most important thing, because certainly in the lives of these people, He was. Yeah. What about spiritual warfare? You mentioned this greater sensitivity to the supernatural world. What do you, do you see or what do you encounter with spiritual warfare? I do think you, you feel, uh, we felt, uh, there was a deep darkness. Uh, the contrast between the Christian people uh, and the non-Christian people, in this case the Islamic people, was dramatic in terms of uh, there, there was a measure of real joy, of real care for each other, of real personal worth and value and dignity. And but just, I mean, because we were driving in the streets and you know very much out in the in the little towns and villages and and in the city, and uh, so there was a just an oppressiveness. Uh, I think as you you know saw the lives of the people. Uh, it was a chaos uh, yes. and a and a uh, uh, deep poverty, mm-hmm. but it wasn't just a poverty of things. It was a poverty of you know a lack of joy, uh, a lack of value, uh, a lack of uh, just uh, just rightness in the mm-hmm. way life ought to be. There was a, a chaos anyway, chaos of yeah. life. So yeah. I think where the enemy reigns 
Yeah, there is a stealing, mm-hmm. a killing, and destroying, mm-hmm. um, not just physically, but in terms of emotionally and value. Yeah. And that probably shows up in the marriages, too, I'm yeah. assuming. One of the things that you were doing while you are there is wanting to multiply the people who've been through mm-hmm. some of your previous classes mm-hmm. and to, as kind of raise them up in leadership. What was it like for you guys to be around people who maybe years ago have taken some of your courses that you've trained mm-hmm. and now you get to release them? As oh, leaders? I mean, we, we were with, in, in fact, one of the focus staff uh, traveled with us mm-hmm. to a suit and he had been a single young man as a student 15 years ago. Now he's married, two children, uh, teenagers. Um, so uh, again, that, that is where I felt very much like a spiritual parent with these, um, these young men and women. And so it was just relationally thrilling to, um, to be with them and then to see them turn around and to be what we would call reproducing and um, like this, this young man, Peter, uh, he now travels all throughout Egypt, and he does teach the marriage course. So mm-hmm. we, um, we felt like very proud mothers and fathers. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we had another uh, fun thing. There's a couple that went through the, the course, uh, I think it would have been about three years ago. Both of them are veterinarians. This is a married couple in Asut, one of the little towns up the Nile River, and they are teaching the marriage course in their Catholic church there in a suit, and we got to watch them do it, and they taught it together, and they did a great job. And then there was another lady who had been through, and she is part of a Coptic, uh, it's a center, it's like a center that teaches family, um, various family things, and it's attached to a Coptic church in the inner city of Cairo. And they're teaching the marriage course. She and uh, is teaching it. So it's just it's just fun to see alumni turning around, taking the materials that they have, and mm-hmm. passing it on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're doing it. They're doing a great job. And of course, that's yes. the ideal: is yes. Egyptian people mm-hmm. teaching Egyptian cult people. They know the culture. They know the situation the couples live in. They look like the people. They speak Arabic. So. That's really that's our dream is to mm-hmm. provide what's necessary so they can teach their own people. Yeah, you've mentioned the Coptic Church a couple times. You had, you even had Coptic priests, I believe, that were in the class with you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we went to this uh, Samalut, and and it was there that we had a, a a retreat with Coptic priests, and that was probably our our highlight because. We were the most um, a little reluctant about what is what is it going to be like going and teaching this room full of these black bearded, black robed um, uh, men, men and their wives. But a- as it turned out, they were the, um, the the most gracious and teachable and childlike. Uh, you know, the priests taking notes and. And the wives just being so warm and, you know, giving me the heart sign <laughs> across the room. We just felt so received. And, um, and so that was, that was thrilling. And, and we um, w- were really hoping to go back and have more opportunity with more of their priests 
um, throughout the the villages there. Yeah, this was. Uh, I mean, we could identify with where Paul talks about coming with fear and trembling. Yes, you know, where yes. you just think, I don't know if this is going to work <laughs> or not. Uh, you know, and we had that same feeling with with this group. Uh, we come from a, d- a completely different stream of the church, of course, and from the West and all that. And uh, but as Bev said, they were the most responsive and mm. most receptive. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you know, it's interesting in the Coptic Church, many of the priests come. They don't come through a seminary type way. They are professional people who the church recognizes having a particularly close walk with God, and so the church will come to them in their maybe late 30s, early 40s, and say, we think you need to be a priest. And so there many of them are architects or pharmacists or dentists or engineers, and uh, so they leave their profession. Wow. Mm-hmm. And, and this is a big thing for their families because the uh, Coptic priests are married for so the wives and children, and they pay a, an enormous price to shift from what's normally a lucrative career to a much simpler life. And uh, every one of them that we talked to said being a priest is a lot harder than whatever mm. they did before. Yeah. And their families are paying a big price because often these men start early and work late. So giving, you know, one of our messages to them is you need to, you need to model godly husbanding and fathering at home. So you need to come home at night and uh, don't allow the weight of the ministry to cause you to sacrifice your family. Yeah, which But anyway, I'm, it was a wonderful yeah, time, uh-huh, and these men uh-huh. were very hmm. responsive. If I could take you guys back 20 years and say, 20 years from now, you're going to be teaching a room full of Coptic priests in Egypt, <laughs> what would you have looked at me and said? Right, it would have been uh, beyond <laughs> imagination. So really for Bev and I, this... You know, this is one of those trips we've dreamed about for years of uh, getting out into the villages to be able to help our alumni pass on what they've learned. And so we actually got to do it. And it's a long six, it's a lot, six weeks is a long time to be away from home. But we, yeah. we absolutely loved it. We're ready to go back next year and do it again. I think, too, 20 years ago, what, what I had no idea um, would happen is that God would take some of the most painful parts of our marriage mm-hmm. and use it as the the just the um, not just the open door, but um, it, the source of the great hope that we have for marriages. Mm-hmm. That it, it doesn't matter what you're going through, God can God can take you through it, and He can even use that and 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 even perhaps change that that place. To where it it can be uh, something you you can't even imagine. So, mm-hmm. um, I I feel like because we've been married forty eight years, we've experienced um, God's faithfulness to us. So we have a, a an experience of hope that we can give other couples that it's worth holding on, getting help, uh, whatever you need to do to stay faithful to the Lord and to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, we've been teaching marriage now for 20 years, really we started. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first day we were teaching marriage was uh 9/11. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Our a, first day of yeah, class. Our first day mm-hmm. of class, the students were watching the planes go into wow. the World Trade yeah. Center and we kind of had to pull them out of that into our class at Focus. 
So it's been a little over 20 years. And probably the two main things that Bev and I have learned, and it, it's, our, it's our passion, is really that, that a growing life with God is the most important thing to a, a thriving marriage. And uh, it's just because the truth is, you know, we're all born with hearts that are very proud and selfish and often very mean. And you can't really change that. You need a new heart. And the only one that can do that is, is God. Mm-hmm. And so really, when we imagine the kind of marriage, I mean, we all dream of a marriage where our spouse is patient with us and kind to us and generous to us and sacrifices for us and wants to really communicate with us and is gentle and patient, all that. Well, that's completely foreign to our our born hearts. Mm-hmm. We have to get a new heart. And, uh, of course, that's the promise. You know, God talks about a new heart. Will I give you a new spirit? Will I put within you? And it's what happens when we give our life to Christ is not only does our sin get forgiven, we get eternal life, but the Holy Spirit comes in and, and begins a process of changing our hearts so that we can be to each other what we dream of in a spouse. So, that, and, and I don't say that religiously. I'm an engineer by training, and so this <laughs> is the way life really works. And so that's our primary message is is uh, give your life to Christ as you do you get a, you get born again the Holy Spirit comes in and you begin it's not an instant ding but it's a transformation over a lifetime to get the kind of heart that makes you able to love each other the way you want to be loved yeah but the, you know the other thing and Bev mentioned that this is that the primary purpose of marriage, it, does, it is to make us happy. It's to help us do adult life better. Primary purpose, though, is to change us, make us whole, holy. And Bev and I have experienced that. It's as we, as we learn to work through the things, our painful differences, um, you know, that's, that's where God gives us opportunity to be heroically forgiving and patient for bearing. And... Uh, and that's that's a big part of our message is, A, the hard parts which show up in marriage that usually catch us by surprise are actually there by God's design. And as we learn to respond the way God loves us, that's what transforms us and makes us more like him. Mm-hmm. So those are our main messages in our course. You know, Life with God is the main thing because he gives you a new heart. And the trouble, the, the painful parts, are not some tragic twist of events, but they're actually part of God's design to give us opportunities to be heroically good to each other. And to pray and mm-hmm. ask him to help and maybe change it. <laughs> right. And that's a message that I can see resonating, whether it's here in Oklahoma City or in Cairo. Mm-hmm. It's the same challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did you experience the Holy Spirit working through you guys when you were there? You you do feel a, a um, kind of a different level, a greater level of dependence and, and need. But um, I, I I think we we just experience His presence each day and and. I, I just love people, and you get to meet all different kinds of people. And so it was a regular prayer th- that the Lord would just give us opportunities 
to love and to identify with him and to speak to people. And, and so, but we had some real opportunities to, um, to, to speak to people about Jesus and to, um, to tell them that he loved them and he, he saw them. And, and I mean, so those were some of my favorite um, ways of, of just sensing the Lord really set that up, and, and he arranged that for us to talk to this young kid, or we, we, we talked to a sea captain, mm-hmm. got to—that was quite an in, in, uh, encounter with him, talking to him. Mm-hmm. So we, we really sensed the Lord um, just with us. You know, the last 25 years, and Connie, you know, because you followed our, our journey, we've been— We've been on the seam between churches that love the Word and churches that love the Spirit. And, uh, and one of the benefits of that has, for both Bev and me has just been an awakening to the fact that the Lord is very not only in us in the form of kind of invisible ink that shows God we belong to Him, but actually the Holy Spirit speaks. And, and, uh, and one, of the, one of the benefits of that is we've just learned that we can ask God, is there anything, Lord, that you'd want to say to this person we're with? And, uh, and we can listen, and often God will bring to mind a picture or a phrase or a verse or something that is from him specifically for this person. And, you know, you never know that it's completely right, so you always want them to test it. But God is very faithful. You know, we've just found that he he wants to speak to just about everybody. I can't think of anybody he doesn't <laughs> want to speak to. So we feel very free to say, Lord, would you show us? And I want, Bev, I want you to tell the story of, can you tell the story uh, of, uh, of NG, the word that you got for NG? Well, know? what I, I was thinking of is um, the young man at the swimming pool. It, we, were, um, we were staying in a hotel when we'd be in Cairo, and we'd go down and, and read, and and I, I just noticed his family. And the the mother was covered, um, with you know her head was covered, and but she had four or five children. And I was really drawn to this one teenage boy, and um, I thought, oh, it'd be so inappropriate for a woman to go over and yeah. talk to him. So I just said, Lord, if you want me to talk to him, you're going to have to bring him to to us. So as it turned out. He ended up leaving the pool area, but then his brother came over and started talking to us. Well, um, the next thing I know, this young man is came back out to the pool area, and because his brother was here, he came over and then sat down with us, and I was just, I was so excited. <laughs> and I, I just felt like the Lord really noticed this young man mm-hmm. and wanted him to know that he saw him and that Jesus loved him. And so I really just got to give him a, just a word of, of um, God's love. And he was so, so very appreciative and mm. responsive. And, mm. and so he and received it. He received it very... Um, Did he seem just, surprised? Uh, not, mm. not, not No, he's really. very, very... Mm intrigued and engaged. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, he understood. Again, they have a supernatural worldview yeah. over mm-hmm. there, so the idea of God 
speaking is not as strange to them as it might be for us. Oh, and, and then NG. This is this is the couple that um, live in Sam Samalut. That so this is one of the rural towns. Yes, and this couple Nile. had been one of our students in uh, three years ago. But during the night, I, I just had this picture of um, NG, and she was like Joan of Arc, and mm-hmm. she was had a sword. And um, I, I just, what, what was just going through my mind was just her, her just passion and determination to fight for marriage mm-hmm. and to fight against divorce. And, um, and, and so I just told, you know, the Lord, if you want me to <laughs> share this, and, and they're from the, um, the Catholic Church, so I wasn't quite sure how she might respond to this. And so as it turned out, we were, they took us on a, on a little tour, and, and we were sitting, and it was just a- appropriate to share with mm-hmm. her, and she was just very receiving and, and hugged me, and, and, and at the same time, and I don't know what their story, but I feel like they have a story mm-hmm. where she is, um, she is a warrior to fight divorce. Oh, by the way, divorce in Egypt is now one out of two. Wow. It used to be completely prohibited, and you just lived in a dead marriage. But now it's much more westernized wow. in Egypt. And so uh, divorce is a real problem. But and, that word really connected with her heart. Yes. Yeah. That, that, I yeah. mean, that, that fighting for marriage and that pushing hard against divorce is really right at the core mm. of yes. NG's being. So it connected. Yeah. And, and their two so. teenage daughters were there too. And they were not, they were, they completely received um, God speaking and mm-hmm. speaking personally. So it was, mm-hmm. it was very connecting. We, yeah. we just love this yeah. couple. And, and we just found, uh, and we've found this through the years. This is one of the, when it comes to really connecting with the hearts of people, uh, Asking the Lord to speak individually to them has done more to connect us. I mean, uh, they go from kind of an anonymous person in one of our classes to somebody who they have this sense that God sees them personally. So we have, uh, I mean, we just have a tradition of we we give uh, all our students in this one institute that we teach in a little journal we teach them how to have a daily time with god 15 minutes with god and talk about how important that is but in the front of the journal we ask the lord to give us a verse and a picture of how he sees their life and we just write that little note because in. you know have a list of students that yeah you we know have a list of we, we haven't yeah. met them we don't know them but yeah. the lord knows and we say lord mm-hmm. will you give us a picture and so we'll, we'll either a verse or a picture. But anyway, we'll write what we sense the Lord wants to say to them personally in that. And uh, for many of them, there is this kind of uh, awakening that God sees me personally, wants to speak to me personally. And, and often the, you know, what we're writing connects in, you know, in some very special way with, yeah. with them. So they, And I don't know about you, but I find when God does that, it helps me meet the person through God's eyes. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I have this different view of them because I feel mm-hmm. like I got a glimpse mm. from God of who they are. Yeah. 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 There's, uh, there's this one pastor 
uh, I just got a picture of a lone oak tree out in the middle of a big field. And, uh, you know, I just described that and drew a little picture of it, for example. And uh, it connected with him because he's all alone, out, away from everybody else. He has this sense of being... I mean, that would be an example of, of the kind of thing where the picture would connect in a way that he'd understand, this is for me. And that God is saying, I know you yeah. and I see mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just so valuable. And it changes your heart, too, when you mm-hmm. get to... Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, of course, for us, yeah, you know, just, hey, God speaks and... And these gifts, these gifts that he describes are really, they do strengthen and encourage and comfort, and they do connect people to God individually and us to each other. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, this is, you know, this is one of the great values of understanding and using the gifts God's made available. I just want to end with asking you guys this question. So if you could talk to yourselves the Bev and Rock that you were 20, 25 years ago in one of those hard points of your marriage where you were just struggling. Um, What would you say to yourselves if you would want to encourage that couple Mm -hmm. back then? If you only knew what's coming. (laughs) Yeah. I, I wish I could have known what was coming in that, how God was going to take something that was really dark and hard and turn it into something that was uh, beyond, you know, mm-hmm. I hath not seen nor ear heard nor even mm-hmm. entered into the heart of man those things that God has prepared for those who love him. And, and um, so what was our, our most painful areas turned out to be our most... Um, just glorious, just part of our marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I, I would just say um, uh, th- this thing that looks so painful, this is not some tragic thing. This has actually been arranged by God to give both of you opportunities to respond in some heroic ways, sometimes in forgiveness, sometimes in patience, sometimes in just loyalty. Because uh, both of us, I mean, we've, I mean, we teach marriage, but you know, in our marriage, we've hit the point where we just wondered, can we live with this all of our lives? Which I think most couples reach that point at some, some time in their marriage. Uh, Bev was more noble. She wanted to die. Uh, I was not as noble. I just wanted to get out of it. Um, but, you know, the Lord, uh, it was, I remember just the Lord speaking to both of us that, hey, I've led you together. I put you together. I knew this would be there. And this is your opportunity to live into things that you've been singing about and reading about in terms of loving each other the way God loves you. So I think, you know, we just say, hey, uh, this isn't some tragic uh, twist of events. This is something God has arranged to give you both opportunities to demonstrate some great love. Mm-hmm. And if you'll do it, and this is what Bev was referring to, you know, as we do it, the Lord, and it's not instantaneously, it's been 48 years, but we have seen the Lord take some of the most painful areas and turn them into into real areas of joy. Yeah. Thank you both. 
It's been so fun talking with you. Mm-hmm. Could one or both of you pray for somebody who might be listening to us who's in one of those hard stretches mm-hmm. and needs the same kind of encouragement that marriages in Cairo or here need? Mm-hmm. I will. Um, Father, thank you that you are the God of hope. And um, Jesus, uh, you have given us hope because you paid the price. Um, so we we don't have to um, we don't have to pay the price of death. Um, and, and I just I would ask for anyone who might be listening today, just that you would just give them hope to um, hope to see um, you in the midst of um, their life and that uh, they would see you and just um, your love for them and that they they can trust you and not lean to their own understanding. And, and um, so, Lord Jesus, I, I just ask that you would you would strengthen, give strength, and um, just the um, just all that is needed, just to continue to um, do what is right and um, and good. And Lord, I I just ask that you would provide um, help in the ways that um, may be needed, just practically, that you would bring people to um to really provide help and um uh, i just thank you that you are um you are so near and and um we just love you and i just pray mm-hmm. that you would um receive just the glory and in honor as we see you answer these prayers in jesus name amen amen Thank you, Bev. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Rock. Mm. That's great. So that's all we have for today's episode of Kingdom Life. We've enjoyed being with you. I'm Connie Willems, and I'm delighted that you've been listening to us. If you'd like to learn more about All Saints Community Church, visit us at allsaintsokc.org or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at ASCC OKC.